Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambuddhasa Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambuddhasa Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambuddhasa Bhutang Dhammang Sankang Namasami <clears throat> so the night I w- is that on? Yeah. Can you hear me in the back? Thank you. Yeah. So the night I'd like to speak uh, about the fourth foundation of mindfulness, which is uh, you know the foundation of dhammas uh, in in a plural. And you know we've speak, spoken about like the dhamma which in English is often written, you know, with a um, uppercase D. This is, depicts the, you know, the teaching of the Buddha or sometimes also called the truth or the laws of nature or duty according to the laws of nature. And then the Dhammas, in English written with a lower case D, in the Pali language, there is no lowercase and uppercase, but in the English language, this is how it's um, done. And so dhammas in the plural refers to phenomena, generally speaking. So you know, any, any phenomenon which we can experience through any of the six senses is a dhamma. You know, starting with just like very ordinary experiences like a, a sound, a thought, a sensation, a taste, this all this all a dhamma. So our experience, you know, it consists of a barrage of dhammas, you know, which are arising and ceasing all the time. And then, you know, the highest of all the dhammas is Nibbana, enlightenment. So there's all of those dhammas. And and uh, the, you know, the fourth foundation of mindfulness, the foundation of dhammas, you know, tries to support us, you know, in in understanding the conditionality of all of those dhammas. You know that they are all uh, conditioned and that they are all arising due to causes and conditions and ceasing due to causes and conditions, you know, coming together and falling apart. And the fourth foundation of mindfulness, you know, has different categories against which, you know, we can see those dhammas arising and ceasing more clearly, hopefully. And, uh, you know, there are frames of reference, we can say, or there are categories. And, you know, we are not kind of thinking about those categories when we are practicing the fourth foundation of mindfulness, but it's rather that we are contemplating the experience in the present moment in reference to those categories. And, you know, one of those categories, or several ones we have already mentioned, for example, the five hindrances is a category, it's, it's, a, it's a list of how dhammas can you know, arise. 
And then the seven factors of enlightenment is another list. The four noble truths is another list. The six sense fears is another list. So there's all of those different lists which you know, can be used as a support in order to categorize this you know, endless amount of dhammas and then through categorizing them in one of those lists, you know, this is a support to see a little bit, have a little bit of space and see a little bit more clearly you know, how they are governed, you know, how those laws of nature are working. And, and then, you know, once we start to see those laws a bit more clearly, then we can, you know, live accordingly, you know, to align ourselves with some of those laws, if, you know, with wholesome ones. And, and the hindrances, for example, is to understand better, you know, how they can be identified. And then, you know, we can, you know, um, discern, you know, if a hindrance is present in the mind, then we, we can recognize it. And through that recognition, we are not any more swayed you know, under those hindrances. But the moment when we recognize that one of those you know, categories is, is operating, that helps us you know, to have a perspective on it and see you know, those laws of nature working within our own body and mind or observing them in outside so to say, you know, in someone else or in an object. So it's, it's, a, you know, it's, it's a conceptual support which can help us to, you know, find a certain lawfulness, you know, in this huge uh, experience, you know, which we call life in the universe. And... And there's one list, you know, which I'd like to speak about today, which is called the Four Itibada. And, you know, in the translation, that, that means you know, the four bases for success or four bases for power or sometimes also called roads to success, roads to power. Idi is power in Bali and uh, Pada is base. And... They are actually you know, not mentioned in the Satipatthana Sutta, which you know, speaks about those four foundations of mindfulness, but they are mentioned in other, in other um, places in the scriptures. And, and those, those four itipada, those four roads to success, you know, they are f speaking about four different um, ways of uh, harnessing our energy. Because we've been speaking about, you know, the four foundations of mindfulness, you know, what they are and, and so on and so forth. But then, you know, if we don't have energy in order, you know, to turn towards our experience, if we don't have enough energy and motivation, then, you know, those four foundations of mindfulness won't be doing much for us. So we, we need to turn towards our experience and that... I'm sure you have all noticed this is not easy, you know. Sometimes very strong, uh, you know, things can be aroused, you know, fears and other strong emotions. And then, you know, to have that energy to turn towards it is, can be very difficult. And, you know, that makes all the difference, you know, if, if someone 
can use their experience for awakening or just you know being carried away by it and, and um, getting lost. You know, some people like, for example, I think of Nelson Mandela, who was you know, in prison for 30 years, but he had, he obviously had very strong motivation that he could, you know, go through this time and then come, step out of it with so much power that he could help so many people, or Gandhi, or there's many, many people, you know. And then others, you know, who had also a lot of good fortune, it looks like, and then they couldn't use that, you know, for growth, but they got, got lost. So what's, you know, what's the determining factor behind it, you know? And, and I think it's, it's a real kind of a very strong motivation, you know, because the practice is, willpower is not enough to really uh, be successful in one's practice. One has to really, you know, with one's heart to fully feel motivated, you know, to, to put your ego on the line, so to say, which means, you know, do not give into, into our f- hopes and fears. And on those four etipada, a uh, very good description, I think, and they, there's a certain sequence to them, I think, but also, you know, they are all operating to, to a certain extent at the same time, whereas one of them is always kind of predominant, I would think. And, you know, they are all present in seed form in all of us. But, and through practice, we can, can nourish them and we can, you know, make them stronger. And uh, yeah, just start with, with describing them. So, you know, different facets of energy, different facets of applying, you know, strength in our practice. And the first one is called Chanda Itipada. And Chanda means, you know, the translation for Chanda is desire, but in a neutral sense, you know, depending on if we bend the desire onto a wholesome aim, then it's a wholesome desire. And if not, then it is not. In that context, it, it's meant, of course, you know, if we bend it towards raking up. So that's Chanda Itipada. And, you know, that we can also translate it as like enthusiasm or um, courage, you know, or or feeling um, inspired. Courage is not the right word, actually. Enthusiasm and inspiration, motivation. You know, if you are, you know, seeing something and you recognize that there's value there and you feel like, you know, this is something you, you'd like to know more about. And I later going to go more into detail and illustrate that through my own path, you know, how my own path has developed and how I can, in hindsight, I can recognize those itipadas, how they have been arising, you know, quite naturally, because it's laws of nature working. And then, then the second one is called Virya Itipada. Virya is, means energy in, in Pali. And, and that's, and that's uh, you know, when we are responding to the first, to the Chanda Itipada, when we have recognized there's value 
and then we try to kind of you know align ourselves with that value more and try to um, you know move our life in that direction and you know work with all of the obstacles and the hindrances which are coming up it's like a warrior like uh, quality And then the next Itipada is um, called Chitta Itipada. Chitta is heart or mind. And that's, you know, that's after we have been removing, you know, some of the bigger obstacles to kind of hold more steady, you know, with, with that um, value which we have been seeing in the, in the first sequence. And then kind of aligning our life you know, more fully around this value which we have been recognizing. And uh, it's, more, it's more settling and uh, integrating what we, you know, would like to have in our lives. And then the next one is called Vimangsa Itipada, and Vimangsa means investigation. And that's, you know, looking at what we have been, you know, creating with Chanda Itipada, uh, Virya Itipada and um, Chitta Itipada. And then seeing, you know, is, 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 is the result, is it still in alignment with our original vision? Kind of, you know, it's like troubleshooting, you know, seeing if, if certain things are, are no longer in alignment or maybe if our own you know, if our own vision has maybe changed, because we change over time, of course. And then, you know, we try to adapt and, uh, you know, find ways how we can stay on course. And sometimes we need, like, some outside help for that. And so those four itibadas, they, you know, they have all a, a place and, and we can also recognize them not only, you know, in our own path, but also we can recognize them, you know, in, in any kind of enterprise, you know, which we are setting up a business. I think we one could see those as well, you know, or even, you know, having in a, in a relationship, we can see them as well. So there are some, you know, universal laws, which if we can recognize them, if we can identify them, you know, in our own lives, it can be helpful. And, you know, for myself, for my own, from my own journey, in hindsight, I can see, you know, when I, when I was like in my mid, in my end 20s or beginning of, of my thirties, you know, I was on a on a trip in um, in Asia for the first time, and I remember I was in a train in the hot season in Burma, where it was like incredibly hot in May there, almost unbearable. And and then I remember I was in in this train carriage, and there were, you know, everybody was very restless and and not very happy. But there were two monks there who were. And I, I don't think that all monks would be like that, but those two monks were very exceptional because they were just sitting there and they were obviously not uh, 
impacted very much by the, by this exceptional heat. They were very relaxed, they had fans, and they were just so different than anybody else in this train carriage. And I felt, I always had to look again and again, I couldn't believe it, because I was thinking, they must know something I don't know. <laughs> and what is it? And again and again I, I looked, and, and it just kind of, I never forgot that, because I was very impressed because it was difficult for me. And so that there was, you know, there was this recognition of value there, which I, you know, had been looking for in many things in my life before, but never really kind of found in a way that worked. And, and when I saw those, you know, the, the kind of unshakability of those two monks, I, I just, again, I had this feeling, maybe, you know, it, in that direction, maybe there is something, you know, which could, which could be what I'm looking for. But then, you know, my life just went on and, and I went back to Europe and did all my things and so on and so forth. And then, Again, you know, I went to Asia a uh, year later and went to Thailand and, and uh, you know, my kind of hunger, you know, for some kind of a teaching or for some clarity about what I was doing, you know, on this planet became stronger and stronger. And uh, I just felt like, you know, ready to, f to find some kind of a guidance and then through coincidence, I, I came to a monastery in the south of Thailand, and uh, it was uh, Achan Buddhadasa's monastery, who I didn't know at that time who he was at all. So I just stumbled into that monastery by coincidence, so to say. And there was a meditation retreat starting, and so he appeared and, and was teaching. And then when I saw him, I remembered, you know, a year before when I had seen those monks in the train, that he had the same kind of a presence. And, and again, I recognized, you know, there was a value there. And there was this strong um, recognition, you know, which I would call like Chanda Itipada, you know, that I wanted, I wanted to be close. I wanted to know what is it, you know, what is it? Because it was very hard for me to kind of put it into words, but my heart immediately knew what it was, you know. And now I would call it, you know, the unshakability of the heart, which I recognized in him and which I didn't have at all. And I'm still working on it, but at least now I have, uh, have, a, have a teaching which I'm sometimes better in speaking about than doing it myself, but I'll, I'll don't give up <laughs> because I have this, uh, you know, Chanda Itipada and, and then if you, if you stay with that, then you have to bring in, you know, a certain kind of warrior energy, which is Virya Itipada, you know, to, to be willing to cut through obstacles. So the first, you know, the Chanda Itipada is more like a, a, a strong heart felt quality.
you know, where we feel really moved, very deep in the heart, where there's something, you know, in ourselves which we have in seed form is kind of reflected back by somebody who has also already developed it much further. And then you, you recognize it's here, it's, I have it too. But because it's still very small, we need support, you know, we need, a, need guidance. And then, you know, starting to listen to the, to the guidance, and, and, you know, in that stage, often, you know, a lot of the, the kind of information can, can come, you know, not necessarily through words, but just through being, you know, being in the presence of and, and seeing, seeing somebody, you know, just being, being that, being Dhamma. And then the words, you know, they, they come afterwards. And then you kind of understand, you know, how that's called. Even your heart already knows before. Because it, it just resonates. So, and then, you know, through that resonance, then this, this, the energy gets kind of awakened, you know. That capacity to, you know, suddenly you develop a courage you, you didn't know you had. You know, you, have, you can do things you didn't know you could do because of that strong resonance. You are, you know, happy to, uh, you know, go into areas you before mightn't have dared to step. And that's this warrior energy. Whereas, you know, the, the first chanda Adipada is more like a lover energy, you know, falling in love with something and then, you know, being willing to fight for it. You know, putting your life on the line to a certain extent, you know. Because it's such a strong pull. And, you know, then, you know, having, having strong faith awakened, you know, and, and being, being, being okay, you know, with a lot of uncertainty. Because of that strong, you know, uh, resonance, this promise, you know, that you can also be like this if you just, you know, apply yourself fully to, to, the, to that teaching. So, you know, in my case, it was that, you know, once I, I, I recognized that this teacher, you know, had... had something I, I really wanted, then I, I, you know, just felt a little bit torn, you know, because I felt, felt pulled, you know, to go and live in this monastery. But then on the other hand, uh, it sounded a, a very big thing to do, you know, to put my life, to kind of change my life in this way that I could go and live there. But then, you know, I was kind of, wavering back and forth, back and forth, but then somehow my whole life started to kind of wheel around, you know, and, and certain doors that just started to close and then the door into the monastery opened wide and then I just, I stepped through it. And, and then I, I lived in this monastery for like um, about a, a year and, and my teacher at that time he was already very old. He was like in his uh, mid-80s and he became very ill. And, you know, it became clear he will not live much longer. 
and he didn't anymore, you know, come out of his heart. So couldn't have couldn't have that contact any longer with him. So I just started to think, you know, where should I go next? And you know, because I had, you know, I had kind of had recognized the value. Then I had arranged my life, you know, to a certain extent, so that I could be close to that value. And then, you know, I I wanted to sus- uh, sustain that, you know. But he was obviously, and you know, it was clear he would die soon. He was 86 by then. So, I, you know, I needed a next step. So, because the heart, you know, wanted to kind of fully align itself with, with what it was recognizing. So then that's the next itipada, chitta itipada. So I was, I was kind of starting to, you know, consider what, what's the next step. And then I, I found there in the monastery, I found a chanting book in English and I looked and it was written Amaravati Monastery in England. And then I thought, maybe I go there now. Because anyway, you know, needed to go to Europe. So I thought, is, I live in Austria at that time. So I thought England wasn't very far. So I thought, okay, let's let's see, you know, how it is there. So then I went to Amravati, and uh, that's also where I met Ayananda Bodhi. It was 1992, and yeah, and then I uh, found, you know, that there was a place which had a lot of. Uh, support for practice and and you know had had um, a place you know where women you know would were able to attain which is not so uh, still today you know not so easy to find and where women would also be supported you know to live the monastic life so then I you know stayed I stayed there for many, many years and, you know, and, and aligned really my whole life with it. You know, gave up, you know, the things I still had and, uh, and really, you know, completely made that, that value which I had seen, you know, for the first time in this train in Burma and then met it, met it again with Ajahn Buddha Dasa and then you know, really uh, aligned my whole life around it and, uh, you know, made it, integrated it more deeply and made it sustainable and, you know, trained there for many years and, uh, you know, really fully devoted myself to this value, you know, and, and received a lot of blessings in, in that time and a lot of support. And then, you know, after some years, you know, certain shortcomings became apparent. There was a, a, was a quite clear glass ceiling, you know, for the women there. Women could go only so far and not further. So that was kind of, you know, in dissonance with that value which I had seen and you know, which had originally inspired me. So then, you know, the next Itipada became active, you know, Vimangsa Itipada investigation, you know, looking, you know, what can be done about this, you know. There's still, you know, there was still a lot of kind of love there for, for that life, but there were certain elements, you know, which were, were, we wasn't able to kind of ignore them. 
So then there is like a certain, you know, struggle starts. And, uh, you know, trying to adjust, you know, and trying to bring in different support systems. We had like, you know, different people coming and, and helping the nuns, you know, advising us and discussing things and so on and so forth. But in the end of the day, it, it just didn't really... Um, for me, I, I couldn't uh, integrate it, you know. For me then, I had a new vision started to grow, you know, inside my, myself. Something, you know, which would, whether would be uh, an opportunity for women, you know, to have an, an equal opportunity than what the men had. So that, you know, for some of the nuns that just started to kind of naturally arise, you know, and then that's, you know, then the whole sequence starts again, you know, with a, a new Chanda Itibada. And then, you know, one way, if you can stay true to that, then it's only a matter of time, you know, when conditions arise and you can really respond. And, and for us it was, you know, that we got an invitation to, to come to California. The Sana Loka Foundation, you know, came and, and invited us. So then you know, the new, a new cycle starts. Again, Chanda Itipada, you know, you, you, you see something, you see an opportunity, and you just recognize it and start to engage. It's falling in love again. And then, you know, and then we have to, we had to kind of fight to be able to, that, you know, Amaravati would let us leave. So that's then again Viryatipada, like that warrior energy. And then, you know, once we had been, we've cutting ourselves loose, you know, then we, we came over here and then we were, uh, you know, adjusting and, and, and integrating and, and setting up, you know, uh, a place. And, and that was originally in San Francisco that was like um, a block from the beach and because we are forest nuns that wasn't really sustainable. <laughs> so then we had to adjust again, you know, and now recently, like one and a half years ago or so, we, we have moved to the Sierra foothills in the forest. And now, you know, we have a new set of... of um, conditions and now we have to kind of develop that again so it's like you know it's like a, a constant uh, cycle of those four itipadas and I'm sure you know if you look into your own practice into their own you know path how it has developed you can recognize the two and I think you know if we are in one of those places it can be very helpful you know to identify it because it can, you know, make things a bit clearer. And, and just, you know, it's another way how we can discern those laws of nature's work, how they are working. And if we can, you know, see the bigger picture, then there's more capacity, you know, to, to accept, you know, the way things are in the moment and to, and to respond. Because we see that this is, you know, not just like, uh, 
a coincidence, but this is just the way things work. And if we can, you know, align ourselves with it, we can uh, kind of work in unison, you know, with the way things are. And, and that will, you know, it is empowering, really. And makes, you know, makes this journey more um, smooth. There's, uh, I think, uh, more capacity to just, you know, let go into it. Because this is how things work. And, uh, you know, this is one way how we can, you know, investigate our experience and You know, and through this investigation, we can let go of, of the, you know, taking it all so personal. And you know, when I was saying, I think yesterday, you know, we have on our office door, we have written more Dhamma and less drama, you know. So, you know, not getting so carried away by the, what we experience as, as a lot of drama and seeing it more like as laws of nature working. And, and they all you know, they have a function. Because, you know, we need energy and, and we need, at different stages, energy needs to present itself in different ways because of, you know, of what's needed. And I have found this, you know, this Foetibada, uh, a very helpful um, list to, to reflect upon. And I just you know, go through, through that list one more time. So the first one is like Chanda Itipada, or like, you know, the, the translation, the translation according to the scriptures is concentration due to desire and volitional formations of striving. You know, so recognizing value, you know, seeing something you, you want. And... Sometimes, you know, we can say it's like falling in love with something. And then the next one is uh, Virya Itibada, concentration due to energy and volitional formations of striving. This kind of warrior energy, you know, where you want to get close to this value you have been recognizing. And the next one is Chitta Itibada, concentration due to mind and volitional formations of striving. Which means, you know, that we have, you know, the value we fell in love with and we have been fighting for it. Then, you know, to integrate it more fully in our lives. You know, like a certain devotion, which, you know, enables our whole life, you know, to arrange itself around this. And then the next one... Uh, Vimangsa Itipada, concentration due to investigation and volitional formations of striving. You know, the, the kind of troubleshooting, you know, looking like the situation, is it still kind of in alignment with the original value we have been recognizing, you know, with the vision, with the, with the enthusiasm, with the motivation, or is, has it gone off? Or maybe, you know, has our vision changed? And 
you know, it's really important to, uh, you know, be really very aware of one's motivation, one's inspiration or aspiration, you know, like the guiding star, because willpower alone is really not enough. And when it gets really hard, then just the, the willpower just dwindles away. So we really need, you know, have our heart connected to what we are doing, because then, you know, the, those, those itipadas, they will naturally arise and we, we save us a lot, lot of kind of um, energy, you know, which we have to artificially kind of crank up because it's not going to be sustainable. But if the heart is connected, you know, if we really feel motivated, then it's not necessarily effortless, but there is like the fuel, it's, it's, it's available, you know. So it's really important you know, to even, you know, every time we sit down, you know, to meditate, to, to remember why we are doing this. And, you know, to, to remember what, what was the original motivation, what have you seen, you know, when the first time you recognized that this is, is a teaching, this is a different way of, of being in the world. When, you know, was that the first time that you recognized it and, and, and you had this kind of wow or this ah kind of experience? And to just, you know, kind of remember that, I think that's really very important. Especially, you know, when the going gets tough, this is very important to, to remember it. Because then this natural, you know, wellspring of energy is there. And we just, you know, need to harness that. We don't need to kind of crank it up ourselves. So I think that's what I wanted to say. Thank you. So we can uh, chant the reflection on sharing of blessings on page 33. So bringing bring to mind the, um, the strength and effort of our practice and any insight that may have arisen so far, and uh, sharing that for the benefit of all beings. Let us chant the verses of sharing and aspiration. Through the goodness that arises from my practice, may my spiritual teachers and guides of great virtue my mother, my father, and my relatives, the sun and the moon, 
and all virtuous leaders of the world. May the highest favors and evil forces, celestial beings, guardian spirits of the earth, and the Lord of death, May those who are friendly, indifferent or hostile, may all beings receive the blessings of my life. May they soon attain the threefold bliss and realize the deathless through the goodness that arises from my practice. And through this act of sharing, may all desires and attachments quickly cease, and all harmful states of mind, until I realize Nirvana in every kind of birth. May I have an upright mind with mindfulness and wisdom, austerity and vigor. May the forces of delusion not take hold, nor weaken my resolve. The Buddha is my excellent refuge. Unsurpassed is the protection of the Dhamma. The solitary Buddha is my noble guide. The Sangha is my supreme support through the supreme power of all these. May darkness and delusion be dispelled. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.